Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take the one or two others, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven." And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out, living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. This is a significant time of year. Labor Day is in the rear view mirror, school is in full swing, football is back, and everything is laced with pumpkin spice. And here at All Saints, we look forward to an excellent fall. We gather for Bible study. The choir stalls are full again. Youth group starts tonight. There is a lot to be excited about in our world and here at All Saints. But this time of year also contains some significant memories. I remember a story a friend and colleague once told me. He was the rector of a very large church in Washington, D.C. In late one early September evening, after a day of meetings, phone calls, and emails, he walked into their worship space and There was a carpet there, and he found it to be very dirty. It was covered with dust and debris. And being an individual who is rather meticulous, others who know my friend might use other words, but let's say meticulous, he went to the closet and took out the vacuum cleaner and uh, swept the rug. And after a good sweep, he put the vacuum cleaner away, and he sat down in a pew and surveyed the empty space around him, and he savored a moment of peace and silence. And he said to himself, I think we're ready. This is going to be a good year, and I think we are ready. And that day was Monday, September 10th, 2001, and we all know what happened the next day. Needless to say, my friend and his church and all of us 
we're not ready. We are never completely ready for the most powerful events in our lives, both the good and the bad. One of my favorite parts of my job is presiding at weddings. And one of my favorite moments during a wedding is right before the ceremony begins. Usually the priest is hanging out with the groom and the groomsmen. And right before we walk in for the ceremony, I turn to the groom and I look him in the eye and I say, are you ready? And this look comes over their face. They usually don't say anything, but this look comes over their face that's somewhere between excitement and nausea. We're never truly ready, and we never realize what's about to happen. And while we may not be ready for the good, we human beings are often less ready for the bad, even the events that we expect for some time. When they finally arrive, they can be overwhelming. So when these things occur, expected or unexpected, we can be swept off our feet and carried on what can seem like a rickety carnival ride of emotions, never knowing when the trip is going to end or when the cart might fly off the track. We are reminded of our vulnerability, of our very fragile nature, and of the realities that our psyches have learned to suppress over the years. And perhaps the most honest feeling in these moments when we are confronted with calamity of the highest order is bewilderment. I remember several years ago when I was serving my first church in Kentucky, my boss, she was from New Orleans, and one day we sat and watched the Weather Channel and learned that the levee had broken, and we learned about the aftermath of a hurricane named Katrina. I was unable, especially being a landlubber, but I was unable to wrap my mind around the depth of pain being endured by those on the Gulf Coast from a storm that they still haven't fully recovered from. And all I could do was watch mouth agape and tears running down my face. So when we ponder these anniversaries, and while we wrestle with the current struggles and tragedies in our own lives, the question is, how do we break out of this fear? The first key is to admit and allow ourselves the grace that we may never fully understand. The great question of why bad things happen to good people will not be answered today, I am sorry to say. Even the great preacher Billy Graham, preaching immediately after September 11th, said, I have been asked hundreds of times in my life why God allows tragedy and suffering, and I have to confess that I really do not know the answer totally, not to my own satisfaction. But the second key to break the cycle of fear can be found in today's passage from St. Paul's letter 
to the Romans. The Romans, racked with suffering from persecution and pain and division, they sought comfort in their mentor, Paul. And Paul said to them, Love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in one word, love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love can be difficult when faced with pain. We have a God who loves us so much that he suffers too. And when we love someone, when we know that they love us, we talk to each other. We engage, we listen, we hear, we share. We talk about what's going on in our lives. And when we talk to God, that's prayer. And that is the third key, prayer. When faced with the unpleasant to the unspeakable, we must, as people of God, turn to God in prayer. And prayer does not have to be out of the prayer book. I might be kicked out of the Episcopal Church for saying that. But it can be conversation. It can be voicing your inner thoughts. It can be simple silence and entering the presence of the holy. You would be surprised what happens. You would be surprised how you are healed when we come to God in prayer. For we are never ready for what we encounter in life. Life would be a lot easier if we did. But we do have hope found in grace and love and prayer. For we are not alone, for God loves us and is with us. And when we are filled with that grace and love, God calls us to go out into the world and love others who are also suffering, who are also fearful, who are also in pain. And when we love them, we and they, all of us, are released from our fear. When we love on the good days and the bad, we become the means of healing for ourselves, for others, and for the world. This indeed is a significant and exciting time of year, for it is a time of love. Amen.